Luke chapter 23, verses 26 to 49. Um, and we've already read the passage, so I'm not going to read it again. But I would like us to talk about real life encounters at the cross. Just over the last um, three weeks or so, we've been looking at um, the build up to the cross. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Jesus being in the Garden of Gethsemane and who the people were around him, the closer group in the form of his disciples. And um, we looked at what Jesus went through as he prepared for this moment, which we call um, Good Friday. And um, of course, the song speaks about God's goodness. And the only way we could look at Good Friday is in a prophetic sense, which means we look into the future to interpret Friday to almost, well, over 2,000 years ago as Good Friday. Because when you read this text, there was nothing in reality that was good about that moment when an innocent man went to the cross and when he died for the sins of all mankind. So when we use the word Good Friday, we have to explain to people why it is Good Friday. It is Good Friday because of God's goodness to prepare, as the Bible calls it, a lamb, a spotless lamb, his son who had never sinned, who has never wronged anyone for him to die for our sins on the cross. And so when we look back, we could see it was Good Friday in the context of God's great love for the whole world. But as I was journeying through these chapters within the Word of God, I became aware of people who played an important role in the crucifixion of Jesus. And these people were exposed to an event which we call the death of Jesus on a cruel, old, rugged cross. And we want to look at how this event, and even the lead-up to this event, affected the lives of some people. Now, as we look at these characters, we've got to be careful to be overcritical about them and to judge them. Because I think you'll see a little bit of yourself in most of these characters. And um, it is true that these characters encountered the Lord Jesus before the cross, but definitely also when he hung on the cross. You see, you cannot experience the presence and the power of God without going to the cross. And we're going to learn that today. Our relationship with Jesus always begins at the cross. It is the cross that makes a relationship with our Heavenly Father possible. It is the cross that makes an intimate relationship and a friendship with the Lord. So attractive and so satisfying, but it all starts at the cross. And that is why Good Friday is such an important event within the Christian calendar, but also for the world in general. 
for some of these characters that started the night before the execution. So we can only imagine what they were thinking and feeling. And a number of these people were condemned as they were in their cells. They were fearful and they were in chains. That same night, Jesus had been arrested after one of his closest friends had betrayed him. All of his other friends had deserted him. He's thrown into the middle of an illegal trial in the middle of the night. That night, Jesus had been arrested after one of his closest friends had betrayed him. All of the other friends had deserted him. And so as we look at these individuals, you're going to find that they were very, very important if, uh, individuals who led up to this amazing event, which we call the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross. But I want you to look at the scripture here, and the first character that I would like us to have a look at, for us to be introduced to, is a character that I think is one of the most malign characters within the scene. Now, I remember as a child, um, when I read the story and when my mother read the story to me, that I never could actually pronounce this character's name very well. Um, and this character's name is Barabbas. And in my home language, we would call him Barabbas. Uh, that's quite a strong guttural word. You know, and as I was preparing, you know, I had certain descriptions for this man. And I, as I was characterizing um, who he was, you know, I, I kind of added um, a word to his name. I called him Barabbas, the brat. And uh, why the brat, you may say? Well, he's such an interesting character. Because, you see, brats normally get what they don't deserve, and they flaunt him. And when I look at this character, I see him as being that type of individual where, you know, have you met those people when you were at school or even in business where they, um, they always are able just to wheel out of situations? And as a result, to put the blame on other people, well, I knew some people who were masters at it. And when I look at Barabbas, I kind of see that within him. And um, you'll see that Luke chapter 23, verses 23 to 25 says, But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified. That's Jesus. And their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they had asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. And of course, this was Barabbas. The first person to encounter Jesus at the cross is the person who was meant to die on the cross. And I use the word encounter because it is these encounters around the cross that actually changes our lives. When we look at the cross, we will encounter him. You see, when we look at Barabbas, 
the lesson we learn out of his life is that Jesus took our place on the cross. You must say, no, Peter, Jesus took Barabbas' place on the cross. You see, Barabbas, and his name is very interesting, he is called Jesus Barabbas. That's his full name. Isn't that quite strange? Um, he was guilty of every one of those charges that Jesus Christ was being accused of. Jesus was being accused of rebellion, insurrection, setting himself up as a leader, and Barabbas had done all of these things. Barabbas deserved to die, but suddenly found himself free. He had been certain to die, and now he found himself out in the streets. I often wonder, when Jesus was crucified sometime later, did Jesus at that time, did Barabbas at that time, find his way up the hill to Calvary, to the place where Jesus died? I wonder, after he was a free man, after he saw all that was happening, the people around the noise, the insults that were hurled at Jesus, the pain that he was going through, I wonder whether he pushed through the crowds, Barabbas, and he made his way up to the cross. And I wonder, actually, what happened to him. He was a murderer. And yet Jesus took that sin that Barabbas committed and many others and he put it upon himself. You see, my friends, I think we see ourselves in Barabbas. Jesus said that if we break one of the commandments, we're guilty of all of them. Who of us haven't acted angrily at some people? Haven't we called people a fool? Haven't we had unforgiveness within our hearts towards people? Haven't we said things that almost um, would kill their attitudes? We would steal people's dignity, and that's what death does. And so I must say, you know, we've got to be careful to be harsh or too harsh on Barabbas because I think in some respects we can see ourselves in him. For Barabbas is like all of us who believe in Jesus. Barabbas was the one who could have stood in front of the cross and say, Jesus, you're in my place. You're where I should be. What, I have, what have I done to deserve what you are getting? Jesus took our place at the cross. But also when you look at this first scene about Barabbas, you see, the cross forces us to decide. And I wonder what decision Barabbas actually made that day. I wonder whether he was actually changed. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 says that when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us, and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it 
to the cross. For me, Barabbas, when I look at him critically, is probably the darkest character within the story. And yet even within the darkest character, Jesus saw something precious within his life. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. It doesn't matter where we are at, who we are. Other people may see the worst in us, but Jesus sees something within us that deserves to be rescued. Not because we are deserving, but because he paid the ultimate price because he values mankind so much. And so Barabbas teaches us that Jesus sees something within the worst of sinners, the worst of people that is worth salvaging. The second person that we see within the story is just the opposite of Barabbas. It is someone that when I started reading his story many, many years ago, I kind of liked this man. Maybe because he was an African, like I am. But Simon, from Serene, traveled 800 miles from North Africa to come and celebrate the Passover. He didn't plan to be in the thick of things, as we call it. But it was almost incidental that he found himself on the Via Della Rosa, that pathway that led up to the cross. You see, as Jesus was carrying the heavy beam, he couldn't do it because he hadn't had anything to eat. I think the last time that Jesus ate was um, when he sat down with his disciples. He had been flogged within an inch of his life. He hadn't had any sleep. And so as he carries that cross, he falls. And the Roman law states that a Roman soldier could compel any civilian to carry a load for one statute mile, 1,000 paces. It was a very gracious man the Bible says he would go two miles. But the Roman soldier could say, one mile, 1,000 paces, carry this. And the lot fell on Simon. I've just called him Simon the Saint. Um, because when you look at this man, I think that as he took that cross onto his back, and he carried and he walked behind Jesus, I wonder what he was thinking. I wonder what he was experiencing. I don't think he even felt the weight of the cross as he carried it because Jesus was in front of him. My friends, it's very similar with us. We're going through the coronavirus period and when we look on at what's going on in the world and I'm so aware that many people, too many, 
have given loved ones over to death. And for them, it's an Easter weekend filled with sorrow. But my friends, when we take up the cross and we see Jesus in front of us, the weight of that cross becomes much less in the face of the suffering servant, the suffering Christ. And so as Simon the saint carries that cross and he hears what everybody is saying, and he hears what people are saying about Jesus because you see just a week prior on Palm Sunday people were laying branches out in front of Jesus and heralding him as their king but because he didn't quite deliver what they wanted some of the very same people were standing there and saying crucify him, crucify him and I think Simon heard that story he heard what was happening. He was curious. Incidentally found himself there. And so I call him Simon, the curious saint. The view that, that he had of Jesus, I think changed his life for him. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that he became a believer. From a curious seeker to a believer the Bible says that Simon became interested in Jesus so interested that he is mentioned twice elsewhere in the New Testament he is mentioned by Mark in chapter 15 verse 21 and it says Simon who was the father of Rufus and Alexandria obviously known to the early church Christians and then again in Acts chapter 13, Simon became a Christian and his two sons became Christians. In Acts chapter 13, he is known in a place called Antioch. There he is part of a prayer meeting that is going to send Saul and Barnabas out. It says that five people were praying and among them was Simon. And there he is again, isn't that amazing? His life transformed because he carried the cross, but he had a view of Jesus. Our friends, it is amazing when we have a view of Jesus, what it does to our lives. He is a man who was against his will brought into this very picture. He came out of curiosity, but he found him involved. He got so involved as he saw the staggering man up to the hill in front of him. And he became a Christian and a Christian father and a father of many Christians. My friends, some of you today find yourself with your loved one in your home or maybe with friends you didn't plan to be here today, but neither did Simon. And I hope today that as you look at Simon, the seeker, the seeker saint, that you would catch a view of this amazing Jesus who transformed Simon's life to the point where he became so influential in the lives of people 
I wonder how often Simon told the story about him taking up that cross and carrying it. I wonder how many times he would say to people, yes, carry your cross, but as you carry your cross, make sure that you have a view of Jesus because that's when the cross becomes light in the midst of the fear and the uncertainties that we are facing today. My friends, I want to encourage you. Take up your cross because every single one of us would have a cross to bear. It is true. Every single one of us. But when we see Jesus, the weight of that cross doesn't crush us. We may stumble here or there, but Jesus himself will turn around. I wonder at times whether he turned around to Simon while Simon was bearing his cross. I wonder when they walked up that hill that Jesus didn't turn to Simon and say, can I help you with my cross? I wonder, what do you think? Come to know Jesus over the years that I've served him. And if Jesus asked you to walk one mile with him, Jesus would walk 10. The way he is, I think, that he helped Simon. Maybe he was rooting for him. Maybe he was saying, Simon, I can't carry it, but you're carrying it. You know, and I think he, he was an African black man, the Bible says, and I wonder whether he was really strong. He probably was, and maybe that's why the soldiers chose him. And as they went up that hill, I wonder whether Jesus didn't say to him a number of times, thank you. What is your name? Simon. Thank you, Simon. I wonder, and even as you're carrying your cross during this time, why don't you look at Jesus? Because he's turning and he's looking at you. This is Simon from Serene. And then the third person I would like us to look at I've just called him the wailing cynic. Because you see, a cynic always wails when they bring their views to you and they're incessant, they never stop. And um, as we read the scripture in Luke chapter 23, verses 39 and 40, you'll understand what I'm saying. This is what the scripture says. One of the criminals who hung their hold hold insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. As this thief on the cross, hangs there next to Jesus, and the other thief on the other side hangs there and they know that they are dying justly for their sins. As the wailing cynic hangs there, I wonder if you could hear his arrogance in the statement, aren't you the Messiah? He mocks Jesus. Have you heard the mockers around who would mock Jesus? I must say, friends, when I hear people use the word 
Jesus flippantly. It's a form of mocking, belittling the name of Jesus. The wailing cynic here is belittling Jesus through his arrogance. That's what arrogance does. Arrogance belittles people, and he's doing that. You can also sense within his words, he's defiant, save yourself and us. His cynicism, aren't you the Messiah? His bitterness, again in the words, save yourself and us. His doubts and his fears. I don't know about you, but if I'm honest, there are times when there's been a scoffer within me, a cynic. Times when I too have been cynical. Certainly times when I have doubted certain things about my faith. When I wanted to say to Jesus, are you real? Jesus, do you mean what you say? If you say who you are, then prove yourself to me. I know sometimes when I pray prayers, I would pray them and I say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I think we forget quickly when we've met the Lord Jesus what we were like previously and even still some of the battles that we go through. But the fact is that when God chose people to share this gruesome moment with Jesus, he chose the wailing cynic. Why? Because Jesus saw something within him that was redeemable. As a matter of fact, Jesus saw something so costly within the wailing cynic that God put him right next to Jesus. How much more closer can we not be to Jesus? How can we be so close to Jesus and not be changed? But the truth is, you can be right next to Jesus and still not believe. You can sit next to your spouse who believes and be so close to Jesus and not respond to him. You could have grown up in a Christian family so close to Jesus and yet not believe. I think this is one of the sad examples within the story of someone so close to Jesus that their cynicism caused unbelief within their hearts. Like this man, the cynic, and as far as we know in this account, never reached out to Jesus and trusted him. You see, you can be in church and still not encounter the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus. You can do the right thing and still miss it. Again, my friends, the cross forces us to decide, as did this man. You're either 
for Jesus or you're against him. There's no middle ground, as we will see here, as we look, fourthly, at the humble seeker who became a believer. I love this character. He is the one who is crucified on the other side of Jesus. Everybody is hurling insults from the bottom all the way next to Jesus. But this man stood out amongst the crowd. Isn't it amazing? His disciples forsook Jesus. His closest friends, in the form of Peter, rejected Jesus. And here we find someone on the cross who had never met Jesus, but he is next to Jesus, very close to Jesus. I don't know how far they were crucified from one another, but certainly close enough for them to talk. And he's the one in Jesus' greatest hour of need who stands up for Jesus, who stretches out his arms, excuse the expression, but he wants to touch Jesus. He is the one who speaks out on behalf of Jesus when there was no one else around. Many who could, but only one who did. The humble seeker who became a believer. Luke chapter 23 verses 40 to 43 says of this man, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said to the cynic. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into the kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This humble seeker was convicted of sin, his own sin. The humble seeker was convicted of righteousness, Christ's righteousness. He says this man had done nothing wrong. He was convinced of judgment to come. He said, we will die. He felt he deserved it all. Here was a man who had seen the truth stretched out in front of him. He was the only man in the whole crowd to realize what actually was happening. The only person who understood the sign above Jesus' head because they nailed his body to the cross. They also nailed the label of his crime above <laughs> The faith of this man is incredible. To look at a dying man pinned to a cross and say, Lord, remember me when you come into my kingdom. This is tremendous faith. The only person who believed that this was the beginning and not the end. Isn't that amazing? Who asked and he received and he got a beautiful reply from Jesus. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, 
today you'll be with me in paradise. You see, paradise is not a synonym for heaven or kingdom. It means a very special part of the kingdom. It is a Persian word meaning the king's garden or the palace garden. You see, my friend, this could be your story. If you had seen beyond the cross, as someone states it, to the crown, and seen the kingdom that the king is going to have, the proper response is simply to say, Lord, remember me. For that to happen, we see that the humble seeker acknowledged that he was a sinner here. He reached out to Jesus, and through faith, Jesus heard his cry and said, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. We receive forgiveness at the cross. The seeker became the believer. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9 says, For it was by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no man can boast. We don't have time for the fifth person. But of course we've talked about him throughout the story the suffering saviour. You've seen the suffering saviour in all of these characters, how he responds to them. You see, my friends, when you realise the incredible gift that Jesus is to us, especially when we see him on the cross, then the gift of forgiveness helps you to worship but that only comes by way of the cross. At the cross, when you meet Jesus, you don't stay stuck in your regrets and guilt. You graciously receive the gift Jesus brought for you with his death on the cross. Just as I conclude, I oftentimes think about this thief who became a seeker who became a believer. He merits and he's the most wonderful example of what grace means. You see, when he was on the cross, he could do no good deed. He could only confess what he believed. And that is what brought him salvation. That's true grace and true mercy. And I'd encourage you to receive him today. You see, Barabbas teaches us that mercy comes when we least expect it. He was freed. Simon reminds us that carrying the cross is a massive privilege. The cynic imprints the most terrible thought within our minds that not all will reach out in mercy to Christ. The humble seeker reminds us that he who seeks will find. 
And Jesus, as he said to the humble seeker, today salvation has come to your home. Maybe today salvation would come to your house and to your family. Would you please pray with us this morning? Father, we want to thank you for the privilege of your word. I want to thank you for the characters that you've placed around us that remind us of your great plan for mankind. That we cannot bypass the cross to find forgiveness or new life. We have to go through the cross. And we thank you, Jesus, that when the seeker cried out to you, that you responded immediately to him. You didn't say you must do this, you must do that. You didn't even remind him of his sin. He just said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Not just paradise, he said, with me. Thank you that when this man died, the humble seeker, he didn't die into a vacuum. But I believe, Lord Jesus, he was the first guy whose hand you took. And you took him into eternity with you, into paradise. No fear, because you were there. And you gave him eternal life. And we want to worship you, Jesus, for your amazing plan of salvation. And we pray for many today we would reach out to you through all of the broadcasts and we trust that in this moment that many would know that you would secure their future in you, never to be alone again, but for you to help them through all the obstacles within their lives. And so we pray for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. If you want to come to Jesus today and you don't know how. You've heard what's happened here. You've seen the example of the thief next to Jesus who cried to him, out to him. I would like to lead you in a prayer and it's going to be on the screen at the back here too. We're going to leave it up for a little while so that you could actually follow along with in your own pace. But I would like to pray for you and I'd like to show you the way to the cross, show you the way through the cross and show you the way to Jesus. Would you pray this prayer with me, please? And pray it with your lips and believe it in your heart. And you can pray something like this. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner and there is nothing that I can do to save myself. I confess my complete helplessness to forgive my own sin, or to work my way to heaven. At this moment, I trust Christ alone as the one who bore my sin when he died on the cross. And I ask you to forgive my sins. And I believe, as the Bible says, that you rose up from the dead and from the grave on the third day so that I can have a relationship with you and eternity inherit eternal life through you, Jesus Christ, 
my Lord. If you've prayed that prayer, tell someone about it. Father, we also pray this morning for those who are like Simon. They believe us. But Lord, they have a cross to bear. And for some, this cross is heavy. They're even stumbling as they carry this cross. Lord, we pray that these believers in you would be able to look to you today, get a clear view of you. And as they see you, Father, as they see you, Jesus, as they see you, God, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give them the strength to bear their cross as they see Jesus and as they are determined and courageous to finish this journey with you. Would you today give strength where strength is needed, courage where courage is needed, peace where peace is needed, because we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, and thank you again so much for joining us, and we look forward to see you on Sunday. God bless.